uh, recording, background noise. That's another thing I need to talk about one day. I think I'll talk about it in one of the last episodes. Just like, if you ever want to do a podcast on the regular, don't do this. Do this. Don't forget that. Do that. Like, just, oh, I could. I, you I should think, have like a bonus episode where, you know, you know how like shows when they're about ready to wrap yeah. up, they have that like look back, you know. Yeah. And remember I, that one time we went to Phoenix, you know, it's the like clip, the back. clip show, the compilation episode. Yes, yeah, I yeah. love we need we need more of that. So what if your podcast had a look back like, you know, but the problem is I edit all the episodes. So if I wanted to assemble a, a compilation or a clip show, I'd have to manually like go through all these episodes and like find the best clips. And I'm just like, that is. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. If I do, let me tell you, if I ever went pro at podcasting, let me tell you, the first thing I'm buying is not a microphone. It's not equipment. It is an editor. I'm like, whatever an editor wants, I will pay them. Editing is by far the worst part of doing this and a whole ordeal for years. It's like, yeah, I mean, I I hear you, buddy. It sucks. Anyway. Let's do this. Let's do it. Okay. Hello, world. Welcome back to the Flores and Friends podcast. That was a beer bottle cap, if you heard that rank jangling. I'm John. Um, This is the Flores and Friends podcast. We're back. Sorry about the wait. Slowly but surely count down to episode 100. This is episode 98, and it is a special one. My guest today should have been on years ago, but, you know, this and that just... It just, I, I still feel weird about asking people, even though he's one of my good friends. It's still weird. Anyway, today I'm joined by the legend, the man, the myth, Chris Marshall. How are you doing today, Chris? I'm pretty good, John. The myth. I don't admit the myth. What's the myth? I don't know what the myth is, but uh, I'm here for it. I'd rather not. Uh, most of it is, I, I like to say it's a myth, but most of, most of it is just unfounded, wildly speculative rumors about your character and personality. And, you know, let's not, let's not feed into that, that gossip. Yes, and that's let's, slander. Let's let's not let's yeah. let's let's sidestep the slander. Sidestep the slander. the slander. Anyway, so Woo, me and Chris are good friends, but we met through his business, Sands Bar. Is it just Sands Bar or the Sands Bar? Drop the Sands Bar. The, I don't know. Sand, I say I say Sands Bar. I just say Sands Bar. Yeah, Sands Bar. Yeah. Drop the the. It's cool. It's cleaner that way, right? It uh, is cleaner. Yeah. I have brought Chris on because we we have some things to talk about, mainly about his journey, uh, his business, Sands Bar, the sobriety and sober curious movement in general. What's his thoughts on it? And we're, and lastly, we actually Chris and I not too long ago saw a movie together, uh, Nope, by uh, Jordan Peele. And uh, we're going to talk about it because me and Chris, since we've seen it, have talked about it like at least like once a week. It's great. So that's what we're going to talk about. Like I said, this is episode 98. We have episode 99 probably coming out next month. And then the last episode 100 is probably going to be in October, November sometime. It all depends on my family schedule. And then I have to wrangle up all my friends to record because it's going to be the last, last, last. Uh, Again, yep, the pod, this version of the pod will end. The Flores and Friends podcast will end, but the podcasting, I will not stop podcasting. I don't exactly know what the next iteration or what the future is going to be, but we're, uh, there will be more. I will not be disappearing. Uh, the internet cannot get rid of me, unfortunately. Love it. Love it. Nor, yeah. nor should it wish to. Um, anyway. Okay, I have so, a feeling like this is yeah. one one end for you, but in a very Kang way, you're going to come back. Yeah. And conquer uh, and conquer. Yes. <laughs> no, John the uh, Conqueror. Like there you it, go. Like it, I think John it. the Conqueror. Oh, 
Anyway, Chris, I have to tell you a funny story before we get started. Uh, I actually, this is a hundred percent true story. Um, so I went to go, I got a new car and I needed a oil change. And I went to the Jiffy Lube, I think on 38th and Guadalupe. And so I was just like waiting in line and the mechanic like, is coming up to my door or my window, sorry. And he go, and he's got one arm and he like, rolled down my window. He's like, what's, what's up? I'm like, oh, I need an oil change. He's like, oh yeah, we can do that. Just wait a minute. Uh, I'm a little shorthanded today. And I was just like, and he goes, but then again, I'm shorthanded every day. I'm like, <clears throat> I didn't know what to laugh. Like, I felt like busting out laughing, but I did. I felt like I would laugh too hard to where he'd go like, you don't need to laugh that hard. We get it. I'm like, Ugh. so I just, I did one of these. I, I just was like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> so yeah, that was, that was funny. And today I had a, I had a date today. I think I told you. Um, yeah. Went to a, a bakery Lorraine in the domain. I, I don't okay. spend a lot of time at the domain, even though I live like 10 minutes away. It was all right. It was, I don't think we'll see each other again. And it's this weird thing. I was like, I was thinking about it on the way back today. I was like, a lot of people, you know, they, they like to, they like to set up this binary in dating. Like it's either a good date or a bad date. Mm-hmm. And honestly, in my experience, I don't think I've, I've been on a few good dates. I don't think I've ever been on like a truly awful, awful date. And, but most of them are just meh dates. And that's part of the problem is just like, eh, it's just like two people spending time with each other and conversing. And that's, that's pretty much it. And there was really no spark and anything like that, but she seemed like a cool chick. Um, I just wasn't feeling it. I, I, well, we're not here to talk about my romance, but like it was just was hey, like that's those... a, that's a rabbit hole you jumped into. I'm like, yeah. OK, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I just wanted to say, go. I just wanted to follow up with you on that because I mentioned it earlier. But like it was nah, it was fine. You and, know what, John? I think here's my theory. I think yeah. most of all dating is meh. Yeah. Dating is mid at best. Yeah, it's and it's, yeah. Yeah, that's just that's just the way it works. It's not for everybody. And I know that there are plenty of people who are happily, like, well, maybe not happily married or with their partner for a long term because they don't want to be out in these dating streets. And I'm like, I get it. I get it. You better, you know, <laughs> hold on to the one, hold on to the one you got because it's not really that fun out here. Um, it's, you know, it's whatever. Anyway, let's talk about something a little bit more uplifting. Let's talk about Sandsbar, man. That's where we yeah. met. Oh, uh, anyone listening, time codes in the description if you want to skip around to whatever, if you want to skip to the note review or just want to like whatever, we'll, I'll put time codes in the description. Uh, so yeah, so I've been sober since February 10th, 2018. And so about uh, a year after that, I was, uh, you know, I had gone through and I've told you this story. I had recently come into some heartbreak. And I needed to get away from certain things like, you know, non-alcohol related, just like needed to get away so I could not be around her. And so like that summer after I kind of like would pick myself back up, uh, I went to, so I went to Sandsbar for the first time. I think I went in like June or July, but you guys were closed that night. And then like in August, I went like August, 2019 was the first time I went to the Sandsbar and I've pretty steadily been going back ever since. Cause I, I love that place. Uh, so for the listeners, like, what would you, I know you probably had to do this a bajillion times, but just, you know, this time sans bar, what, what is it? Like, what's your pitch? Like, what do you tell people it is? What's the backstory? Like, tell us about it, man. 
Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. I didn't oh, yeah. say that. And we are we are both drinking our Bud Zeros. Just if you're just listening to this Sponsor on Sponsor us, Budweiser. I will take oh. your dirty money. I don't care. Oh, in a second. Oh, well, in a dirty. second. I take that back. It's not dirty money. It's Look. it's purified. It's filtered. It's delicious St. Louis brewed beer money. At only 50 calories, 0.0 yeah. and 0% sugar. Budweiser zero. <laughs> um, that's my pitch that's my it's, pitch. it's um, no it's no bit burger but you know we'll, we'll live hey hey you know what we're we're going american here yeah, um okay so sans bar is is a, is more of an idea than it is a physical space although it is a physical space here in austin mm-hmm. uh we're open every friday from seven to midnight um but the idea of it is so much more than just a physical bar i really mm-hmm. believe that uh the word bar is such a valuable word because the history of this country and most of Western society is centered around bars. You know, Mm -hmm. you just think about this country alone, just America alone. Uh, The first settlers to this country met in bars and taverns. Our initial founding documents were written in bars and taverns. Most of those folks were bar owners, right? Mm -hmm. Um, As we expanded out West, we had saloons that were our places to get married to have funerals to vote to get your mail to get your general groceries bars have been central to america since its inception Mm -hmm. and i really do believe that uh what i want to do with sans bar is to reclaim what a bar means and what it means to be at a bar Mm -hmm. um and so sans bar is this idea that people make up the bar and not the beverages. And so I wanted a bar without alcohol, hence the name Sands Bar. I was very intentional about keeping bar in the name. Definitely. And when people call it Sands, I'm not like offended. I just think that it's an incomplete thought. I think yeah. that the idea is this space that is not serving alcohol, but is all bar. When you can close your eyes on a Friday night and you just hear glasses clinking and people talking and music. And you don't, you couldn't tell whether you're in a bar that serves alcohol or a sans bar. That to me is the idea is the dream. And uh, yeah, I've been doing this. I'll be uh, five years into this deal in December of this year. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so that was what? 2017, December, 2017. 2017. So what? December yeah, 2017. I knew for anyone listening, Chris has a background in social work. So tell us how about how you moved, you transitioned from that career field to this one. Yeah, so I was a drug and alcohol counselor here in Austin. Uh, I stopped drinking when I was 23. And uh, for the first 10 years of my sobriety or absence from alcohol, uh, I was a counselor. And I did that job all over Central Texas. I loved it. I loved working with people. Um, But every time I worked with people, I kept hearing the same thing, which was, I don't know how to not... So I don't know how to socialize without alcohol. Like, how do I live my life without alcohol? Not mm-hmm. just abstain, but I want to go out and live my life. I want to dance. I want to meet people. I want to um, have a home place to go on a Friday night. I want to live my life. I just don't want to drink. Um, and I just kept hearing that over and over again. Eventually, like I ended up losing a couple of clients to mm-hmm. drunk driving accidents and overdoses. And it just became imperative to me that it, it was on, it was on me to make Sands Bar real. I, I could keep saying, man, someone should do something about this. Someone should really fix this. This is really a problem. I could do that for forever. Or I could just start with what I had, which was $200 and this crazy dream of like creating a space where people could go and 
meet their new best friends. Yeah. And it's been a rewarding, I can only speak for myself and, you know, I've made more than a few friends, so I think I can, you know, respectfully speak for them as well. It's been a very rewarding experience and I'm eternally grateful to you that you uh, started it because it came along, like I said earlier, that it came along in a time when I really needed it. And it's just like, and it was just like a, a place, like, I, I wouldn't say refuge, but like, it was just like, I found something. Cause you know, I, I, <laughs> Chris knows this. I'm kind of an introvert and I have a hard time making friends, especially as an adult, uh, because I like to keep to myself. Like, I really don't like, like I can be social and I can talk to people, but I'm not that into like crowded room. Let me make the rounds. Like, Oh God, that's like my nightmare. But coming there, I remember like the first time, first few times, like I, I came, I just sat there, you know, you and I chatted a little bit, we talked. And then like the third or fourth time I came, you just sat down at the table with me and started talking to me. We like, hit it off. And like, we started talking, I came back every pretty much every Friday. And then, you know, uh, it was great. And I was like, you know, again, I still don't like to make the rounds, but I've become a little bit better about socializing in public, like with people I don't know. Um, but yeah. And I get to hang out with you. Who's you're my friend and all you're my boy now. And like, yeah, it's, it's great. And I tell everybody like, cause I, you know, a lot of people close to me know I go there on Friday nights and, you know, it's like, well, what's it like? And I tell people it is one of the most welcoming, like positive attitude, like places I think I've ever been in. That's like not religious or not like, like very spiritual or anything like that. It's just people who like want to hang out. And like, if you want to chat with people, there's people to chat with. If you don't want to chat with anyone, you just want to like try a mocktail or an, an a beer. You just want to relax and like, just have a good time to yourself like i do sometimes like you it's fine you can do that too it's like a bar it's like you said it's like a bar it's about like it's not about necessarily consuming alcohol it's about like just being in a public space because we all need to get out of our houses every now and then or just like relax somewhere at a chill spot and you just you just you just chill man you just have a good time that's all about it's all about just having a good time and like everybody being cool with each other and like I never have to worry about like, oh, will there be a fight there? Will there be shit going on? I don't want going on there. But like, it's just a really safe space for a lot of people. I think it's done a lot of good. And it's very commendable that you did take it upon yourself to do it. So let me ask you, you know, you've been doing this for almost five years now. Like, what is the coolest thing that's come out of it for you? And and like, uh, also, the second part of that question is, what has like been the weirdest or hardest thing? Like something you were like, wow, I never thought in a million years this would be like, happening or like oh gosh i can't believe this is happening and you know like again on the flip side what's something that was like so cool you're like holy shit this is awesome i can't believe i get to do this mm. well i think um that definitely the coolest thing has been um being your friend man like that seriously you, that that that's why i created sansbar and what i did not realize when i was creating sansbar was that i needed that too yeah i needed friends i needed someone i could text and like, Hey man, let's, let's go to a movie or something. I didn't realize that I needed that for myself. I was so focused on like this space for other people and this being about other people. And man, it is my favorite place to be on a Friday night. And, and that's, I think that's the magic of it is that it's a space where I want to be. Yeah. And it's a space where I like the drinks and where I like the music and where I, you know, I see my friends coming in. Like it is a space for me. So regardless of whether it's super slammed or super dead, I'm having the time of my life because I'm in a space where I feel good. And that, that that can sound a little conceited, but I think that so much of entrepreneurship is like, 
thinking about others, but the, the, the magic of entrepreneurship is when you can find yourself in your work and you can make a space where you would want to be. Um, it, it's, it's counterintuitive. You're like, oh, well, let's look at what the market needs and what consumers are asking for and all this other stuff. But it's really just been, Chris, you are an introvert. <laughs> I know it's hard to believe, but I'm an introvert. That too. I, get... I do not believe. I'm sorry. Yeah, I would call yeah. shenanigans on that. No, 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 man. The amount of alone time that I require is quite astounding. Um, yeah. But... I, I open up when I'm there. Like when I talk about Sands Bar, I open up. Like it's, it's my, it's my passion. It's my, it's my thing. And I, I don't get tired of answering these questions. I have answered these questions a million times and I will yeah. never get tired of it. Literally. Um, this is, this is, this is my Super Bowl. This is my, this is my thing every single day. Like it's, it's, I'm lucky enough to do the thing that I love every single day. What's the, um, so what's that's, the old phrase? If you find something you love, you'll never work a day in your life or some shit. That's not true. Oh, <laughs> you heard it not true. You heard it here first, yeah. folks. <laughs> that, that is not true. It won't feel like working for someone else is what it should say. Oh, okay. Um, All right. Cool. No, it's work. No, it's work. I'm, I'm still sore from Friday. I was bartending yeah. by myself. You, like, were, I, you were busting, man. Man, I, I felt myself in that flow. Yeah. Where it's like, I know where everything is and I can just like, remember the orders of the drinks and how things should go and listen to people coming in. And it's this weird, like Jedi headspace that I get into where I'm just like in this flow and I watch myself experience. And I just think that it's, it's this beautiful thing, right? Where I'm in this flow and it's incredible. And it's the bar is doing what I wanted to do and it feeling how I want it to feel like that's, you know, that answers the first part of your question. Yeah, cool. Um, the second part of your question, um, <laughs> I think the most bizarre or different thing um, has been the spectacle of mm-hmm. Sands Bar and what it is to be the person that people know. Um, yeah. And I don't know them. Um, you know, I've had the good fortune to be in some publications and get some good press. Um and people message me all the time and, or they're excited to see me. They're like, uh, I was in LA and someone came in from like Las Vegas to like, <laughs> to me. like it was oh, weird. like in, in like an awesome way. Like I've had people from, you know, like go across country to like, Hey, I just had to come to this event and be a part of this experience. And it's not about me. It's about sales. It's about what I built. It's about the yeah. brand. Right. Yeah. But it's exciting that people are that into it, but it's yeah. also very very jarring that people um, have projected onto me what they think I am and what they think Sandspar is and what they think oh, I think about it's 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 a really weird thing to be told what you who you are by someone else. Oh geez, that that is I've never considered that. I don't think you've ever told me about that. That's but yeah, you're right because like even at the when you're in town and we'll talk about that in a little bit. You on tour, but like like there are people I, there are people that have come from all over that like are just visiting austin and they're like oh well i just want to check this place out i i saw it online and like i just want to see what's up and i'm like oh well yeah man welcome when shit like that and then you know the the camping trip like hell the camping trip that we went on like uh i won't mention her name but we have a friend now uh uh from san antonio and then there was another girl from uh from colorado that just like i think she stumbled upon the your little uh camping thing and she was like i'll be in texas and she came and i was like yeah, yeah. it's she came, it's she came just just to camp it was it was great i mean so that's a little weird um yeah. to be to be the thing that people 
see um, and they think that they know you or they think that they know what you're about or they think that they know what you care about yeah. and without explicitly asking me like it's it's just weird or um, I get tagged in weird things like it's <laughs> it's really it's really really um, interesting but yeah it's worth it's worth the price of admission so people tagging you and stuff to sell you stuff and like hey you want to carry this in yeah. your stuff yeah okay. oh yeah yeah or just you know people saying well Sandsbar endorses this product and I have not or people oh, um using the Sandsbar brand on on Instagram like when did you <laughs> I've never been to in uh Des Moines Iowa like you know whatever wherever it is yeah, you know, like, yeah, yeah. I've, n- I've never been there like why are we why do we have a Sandsbar presence there um so yeah it's you know, a little cease and desist action sometimes but other than that like it's it's been cool though. It's been it's been a it's been a dope ride. Now dope ride. The, the the last part of it was the hardest, and I imagine during the pandemic that was probably the hardest part for you. If, if yeah, I, you know what? It, it wasn't actually. Oh really? Um, no, it wasn't because I was exhausted, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I had just come off. So in 2019, we did nine cities on a tour. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. Toronto, and then 2020. I was on like a 20 city tour. It was like, I felt like an NBA player. Like I was just, <laughs> just like home and away, home and away. Like Jeez. I was waking up in, in hotel rooms and not knowing what city I was in. Yeah. Uh, stone cold sober. Just like, what, where am I? Um, yeah. I was, I was pushing and I was pushing my, my mental health and my physical health. Mm-hmm. And so when, when the pandemic hit, <laughs> I was good. I was like, darn oh no oh no i have to take it easy for the next six to 12 months oh darn yeah um and yeah was it what did it hurt business sure did it did it hurt the the progress and the momentum we were building with sandspar yes right did it did it alter the course and trajectory of my business absolutely i'm lucky to be here lucky to be yeah. still in business given You're still yes. standing yeah all that all that but i don't think that's the hardest thing i think the hardest thing has been um the hearts and minds part of this to convince folks that what I'm doing is not neo-prohibition, that I'm not trying to take away folks choice to drink alcohol that I'm not um, saying that alcohol is bad, wrong, or immoral. It's, I don't believe anything. Those things are true. Um, That's been the hardest thing is to, to convince people that this is about more options, not less. I think people still think about prohibition and they think about how prohibition was about removing options, removing personal freedoms. That's not what I'm trying to do here. What I'm trying to do here is give people more options. We should be able to go watch um, the soccer match and we should yeah, be able Austin to FC, drink. Yeah. Austin, Austin FC, thank you. <laughs> you see how, how, how tuned in yeah. I am to like the, yeah, yeah. like whatever the, 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 the ball, the, the black yeah. and white ball, the kicking thing. Um, we should be able to go see the Austin, Austin <laughs> FC match anywhere. Yeah. And we should be able to order at least one or two non-alcoholic beers. Like that should just be the way it is everywhere. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's the hardest part. It's been an uphill battle. People still laugh. They still don't get it. They still think it's dumb. They still yeah. think it's going to fail in three months. I've been hearing that for five years now. Like, you know, it's just like, that's the hardest part. Yeah. And I got to be honest, and this, this happened on this date, that date I went on earlier, but it's not just about today. It's about like all the time. Like when I tell people I'm sober, like I, I try to like really emphasize, like, look, there are a lot of, I'm not trying to, and I'm just using this as an example. I'm not trying to pick on vegans here, but like, I'm not trying to sound like a vegan or anything like that. That's like, you should be a vegan too. Like, look, man, if you can drink 
and have a good time and enjoy yourself and do it where you, where you have the appropriate amount of balance and restraint and discipline and not destroy yourself like I was destroying myself and like a lot of people in this movement, in this community were destroying themselves, then by all means, man, I don't mind. Like most of my friends, most of them drink. Most of them, I, I, when I go home and spend time with my friends, they all drink. And I, I just, I'm like club soda, two limes, or if they do have an NA beer, like I'll just get that or whatever. Like, it's not about like demonizing alcohol, even though I think alcohol, you know, like a lot of industries in this country get away with some stuff that I'm like, you probably, that's probably reckless right there, but whatever. Okay, sure. Uh, but like, it's not about that. Like, I don't care if you drink. I really don't. You can drink around me. Fine, go right ahead. Like, you know, it's whatever. I don't mind. But like, it's really about like, this was about me. And this is about like the choice I made. And, you know, if you ever want to take a, you know, if you're ever curious about sobriety, if you ever want to talk about it, I'm here. If you want to like, Take a break from drinking. I take a week, take a month, and they feel like it's something that responds better. Your body responds to then go right ahead, man. Keep it going. And if you are just three months sober and you feel like, ah, well, I think I still want to have a little bit of alcohol in my life. That's fine, man. It's up to you. It's all your choice. It's all good, man. As long as you're not hurting anybody and you're taking care of yourself, I don't care. Like, but this is just about my choice. Cause I, you know, I actually, when I was at uh, what is it? What is the what's the night called? Movers, shakers, and tastemakers, or whatever. Yeah, movers, shakers, and change makers. Change makers. Yeah. Sorry yeah. about that. Yeah. Not tastemakers. That's all right. That's all right. The the speech I did right before the pandemic, like in February of 2020, I I put on an episode. I'll, I'll anyone curious about that speech that I gave? Uh, one of my biggest fears is just like getting up in public and like. It just like speaking to a crowd because I don't really think that I'm. I don't like being the center of attention on anything. Uh, so. Uh, if you were curious about hearing that, I'll put the, just, I'll put the link in the episode to that episode in the description. Um, it's really good. And that's a really good thing. And that's one of the things I love about Tans Bar is that like, I've heard a bunch of people's stories and like, you know, I feel inadequate because my, my journey and my story isn't as necessarily as, uh, as graphic or as heavy or like as serious as a lot of people's journeys and like experiences, uh, I still don't feel out of place. Like I feel, still feel like we can all sit at the same table and share the same stories and like commiserate. Cause it's like, it's not about, it's not a competition. It's about like, we're all realized that there was something wrong in our lives and we decided to get it out of our lives. And it's about growth. And it's about like processing, finding better ways. That was a big thing for me. It's just like better, finding better ways to process my anxiety, my, my social anxiety, my when I feel depressed or like, uh, you know, like I can't have fun without alcohol. Why those two should not be inextricably linked. You should be having fun and you should be able to drink alcohol or whatever. Not, you can't have fun without alcohol. That was like, that was a lot of the stuff that I had to unlearn. Um, and I, I think Sandsbar was very helpful in that as well, because like, I don't have any urges. Like I rarely have ever urges to like drink again. Cause like, it's, it's not worth it. It's just as this, it's not even part of my life really. Anymore. So let's talk about the tour. So you're, you're on tour right now. So you had a tour in 2019, it was going strong and then the pandemic hit and then it got, it. it yeah. So I, I wrapped up 2019 pretty yeah. successfully. And then 2020, I got some, I got a sponsor for that tour yeah. and we were going to hit it hard. I mean, that was, um, you already let me catch it. Let me catch up with my butt zero. No, these are my last two, so I'm killing them. Those are my last two, too, man. I'm let, I'm yeah. two down, two down, so bud. Like, let me I catch actually, it up. I don't know if I told you, maybe I mentioned this to you Friday night. 
I was uh the gas station across the street from my apartment complex. I just noticed the other day that they started selling Bud Zero. What? And I was like, holy shit, that's great. Like I I never thought that this because it's just a regular run of the mill gas station with the convenience store and like that's a bunch the dream, of, man. That's yeah. And dream. I was like, that's the thing. I, I texted my friends. I think I may have mentioned it. I don't know if I mentioned it to you, but like I'm, I texted a bunch of my like, you know, my friends and my family. And I was like, this may not seem like a big deal to y'all, but it honestly, it's a big deal to me because like in, accessibility is a marker of inclusion. Like that's like the fact that like that's a thing now. And it's not just, oh, excuse me. Oh, that's a beer burp. And it's not just that it's O'Doul's or like one of these really awful non-alcoholic beers. It's the fact that Heineken and Bud Zero, like you have major corporations, multi international, multi-billion dollar organization, like industry, like corporations invest in this business, in this revenue stream, invest in this like this. And now it's like, oh, I can just go to the gas station, go pick up a Bud Zero, six pack of Bud Zero. Like I was like a six pack of regular butter Bud Light. It's just like that, dude, that means so much to me, man. That like, I love it. I was just like, thank you, man. It's so convenient. And so, like I said, accessibility convenience is a marker of inclusion. And it's like, they are including us now. Cause it's not always been that way. Cause I know you could talk about how hard it is to get certain beers in certain like times and like how it's like, it can be a hassle. So yeah, yeah, for sure. For but sure. so the tour, so you were, so yeah. yeah. So yeah. So I, I got 2020 got halfway there. And then this year, of yeah. course, 2021 was you know, yeah. shut down. Yeah. Um, but at the end of 2021, I was like, okay, I got to get back there, back out on the road because the tour I think is a very special thing. Um, when I started Sands Bar, I had no business experience yeah. and I knew that I wanted to kind of market this idea of zero proof and alcohol free bars as a movement. And I was like, okay, how do we get this out there? How do we get people excited about it? And to me, the only way to do that was to really show people what's possible. So that's why I just went out just with my little, little profits I made from, you know, the first 18 months to two years of Sands Bar decided to just go out on this tour. And so I went to, you know, just going to these small places, went to Anchorage, Alaska, went to LA, went oh, to, yeah. you know, St. Louis and made, made all these connections. And most importantly, showed people what was possible. So then when I left, they were like, well, we can do this. We, we yeah. can, we can do something like this. And the byproduct of each of those stops has been a, a small group of people or one person thinking, okay, I'm going to start a bar here, you know? Um, and so it's, it's been kind of cool to see like how over time, the places I've been, there's been, you know, one or two people that have started their own thing there. So that's, that's really what the, the tour is about is to kind of be the Johnny Appleseed of non-alc and get people excited about it, plant, plant these ideas in people's minds, make them understand that it's possible and it's fun and you can have a great time. And then they take their, you know, community and they do it on their own. Right. Yeah. I, I really, um, that, that's the mo that's the, uh, my motive for doing the tour. So yeah, just wrapping up this year. Uh, I think we made it to every city except for New Orleans, New Orleans and Philly this year. Oh, two, shout out to New Orleans. That That's a shame. I know. I know. And it was just one of those funky like sponsorship things didn't work out. Yeah. But next year, um, actually, and I'm glad this, this is dropping on Wednesday Yeah. because Friday in New York, we're going to be dropping the next tour stops. Also, I'm dropping some pretty earth-shattering news. Uh-oh. Um, 
gonna 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 move some tectonic plates in the non-alk world that's awesome um, you know i and it's not just me let me just i'm not it's not just me it's not just about sandspar but i think we're gonna really shake some things up pun intended um, will will we be on national news again because you let me know because i'll wear a hat this time and my hair won't look all funky and i won't sing this time because <laughs> you know uh, that that's out there like yeah that's what they they don't they never tell you about that that like, gotcha you just, journalism right there man you, you can't get you can't get your dignity back once people are purchasing um <laughs> vanessa really carlton nice, she was really nice she was really yeah nice. i mean you know vanessa carlton you know karaoke i do it again but i just you know personally that's not my best you know, that's not my best yeah shania, um, you know how i feel about shania twin and that's, that's my go-to karaoke song. There's Anyways. A, there's apparently, um, a, 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 as an aside, I was hanging out with Alyssa the other day, and there's apparently a Shania Twain doc on Netflix that's apparently very good. And I was like, what? I will get around to that. So if you Absolutely. take nothing away from this uh, uh, this podcast episode, uh, check out that Shania Twain documentary. I've, I've heard nothing but good things. Um, nice, nice, nice recommend. Nice. So, so the tour has been successful. And honestly, like I think – the best way to keep tabs on you and, and what you're doing is to follow you on Instagram. I think that's fair to say. And I, every time I'm just, I, I'm not, I guess I'm not like surprised or amazed, but I am happy and just like really excited to see you go to all these cities that you share on your Instagram. And uh, that's uh, at sans bar, sans underscore bar. Correct. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll link it in the show description as well. Again, guys. Uh, so I just, I guess I'm just like so excited and so happy for you to see so much enthusiasm and so many people turn out for these like events across the country and stuff like that. Like, it's just like, that's just so awesome to see that like people, and you're right, this has been a market inefficiency or deficiency, I think is the word that like something like this should have like, not to like poo poo your innovation and your, you know, everything you've put into this, but like this should have been a thing by now, right? Don't you think like you came along, you're like, well, how is this not a thing yet? Like, is that fair to say? Oh yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that, that was my thing is like, I recognized two things very quickly. Like, A, this should be everywhere. And it yeah. wasn't my original, I didn't create the idea of an alcohol-free bar. That's, I stole that from Europe. <laughs> um, I, I, nobody I, in Europe, nobody in Europe tell anybody, all right? Yeah, it's, yeah. That's, that's the stay over here. Secret, you know, yeah. but- um, I, I borrowed the concept from what I saw happening in Europe, which had been going on at that point for five to 10 years. Like yeah. the, the idea of an alcohol-free bar was nothing new over there, but over here, it just wasn't a thing yet. And so I really just wanted to promote that. So that was one thing I noticed. And then the other thing that I noticed was that we as Americans need to see it for it to be real. Yeah, I think people can talk about it and kind of pitch it and kind of you know, all that stuff, but we need to see it in real life to know that it's real. Yeah. I think that, um, I think it's fair to say, I'm very curious because we've talked about this before. Cause we've talked about how like Heineken is a big, big, like, you know, big presence in the industry. And it's just like, it's like, obviously Heineken, I believe is from the Netherlands or, you know, one of the, uh, Eastern Western European countries. So it's just the fact that like, it seems like Europe is like, this is the, the concept of non-alcoholic beer and these non-alcoholic bars don't seem that like unusual or alien to Europeans. And I really wonder what you think in your experience, why do you think it is like Americans need to see it to believe it? Like what, what do you think the hangup is if you had to say? Well, I think that Americans use alcohol differently than Europeans okay, use alcohol. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I think Europeans use alcohol as a like a like almost like a side dish Mm -hmm. um, to to their experience, you know, a glass of wine with dinner or something like that. And I think Americans, because of our hyper uh, capitalist society, we use it as a fast forward to like escape and fun and all this other stuff like we we use alcohol way differently Mm. than other people use it same substance right yeah but the way that we approach it is entirely different like Mm. i feel like because we have this crazy 40 hour plus work week we have these demanding schedules the fastest escape is a shot of alcohol right yeah and in a couple shots you're no longer (laughs) you're not here anymore. You're on vacation. Right. Yeah, and, and I my, think that that's just, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was about to interrupt. Please continue. No, I was just saying like, I think that that is part of the reason why uh, non-alc has taken off in Europe and it's been slow to grow here because we still equate drinking alcohol with like this fast pass to numbing out. Yeah. And that's, that's what I was going to say when I rudely interrupted was that that's I'm living proof of that. I think that's the, that is, I don't know if that's a Southern thing, but you're, it sounds like what you're saying, it's more of an American thing and not a Southern thing. I always felt like it was a Southern thing, especially growing up in new Orleans. Like it was just like, it's, it gets the party started. That's, that's the key to alcohol. Like, and that's the way I always viewed it. Like, you know, since high school, it was just like, I used to start my night with a Red Bull vodka because like that got me going as quick as possible and it's all about like getting drunk and like getting there as quick as possible getting to the good stuff as soon as possible and that's you know that's that is i think the larger issue of like how we abuse alcohol in this country or how certain people uh some people uh abuse alcohol in this country but also i think it also is chalked up to my own impatience but like yeah it's just it's so weird that like i i think that like there is I don't think I'm qualified to speak on what, what European culture is with alcohol, but like, right. I feel like just the, just the world that I grew up in, the environment I grew up in, it's just, it's ubiquitous. And it's mm-hmm. all about like, it's all about like, just, yeah, it's a part of our culture. It's just like, it's and it's in it. I'm trying not to sound too unfair or unkind, but like, it's just, it's all about like, consumption 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 and it's all about like we need we need to sell this product we need to like enjoy this product and it's everywhere it's everywhere man and i don't know if that's the case in europe i don't know you know i think it's i think like you said it's not just consumption it's the american the unique american ability to weaponize anything Oh, a, oh gosh, we're getting in some really good territory now, man. Ugh. You uh, know, I, I just dawned on me, like, what is this? Like, we use, we use, we can turn anything in this country into a weapon. Yeah, that is, that is, that is what we do. And there, there is a violence in the way that we approach alcohol, yeah. the way that we, you know, coerce others to drink alcohol. I've seen grown adults coerce another grown adult into drinking alcohol in a way that's absolutely awful we weaponize everything including alcohol i would i would i respect where you're coming from and i agree with you i would choose a different word violence i think it's more of a destructive and i guess those aren't that's maybe not a distinction without a difference but like i think that it's it's a more destructive and i get like our self-sabotaging sort of way it's just about like it's this uh this hedonistic like uh god what's the word oh god i should know this new orleans god damn it oh shit oh he's the 
Bacchanalian. That's the word. Bacchanalian. Sorry. Yeah. Pardon my language. Uh, pardon my uh, little gaff right there. But it's like very Bacchanalian. It's just like living in this like hedonistic, like self satisfying, just like it, it's it's kind of gross. And again, if you're listening to this and you have a very healthy and functional relationship with alcohol, please do not think we are attacking you or attacking your lifestyle or your choices. Please do not think that. We're just saying, we're just speaking from like, I guess, outsiders or former insiders looking in on the larger whole. I think we're just critiquing something about American culture, not necessarily about the choice to drink. Would you say that? Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, it's 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 much more meta than than your personal individual yeah. decision in relationship with alcohol. It is the larger picture. The larger picture is we rep, we weaponize and uh, consume everything. We turn everything into a a hustle, everything into a side hustle. We turn everything into a dollar amount and we assign everything a digit, right? Like that is what we do with every single thing, which is why Nope is such a good movie. <laughs> We're getting there. We're getting, We're getting there. there. We're getting there. But I'm just saying like, but that, but that is part of the reason why I'm so fascinated with this movie because everything that we, everything that happens to us in this country um, we, we just consume it, right? We mm-hmm. consume it with this ferocity and, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. interesting. I think it's the immediacy. I think you really touched upon it. Like the immediacy, the, the, the direct, the direct causation, not correlation, but like direct causation that what alcohol does to us and the immediacy. And we, I feel like that's very fundamentally American is just like, we want results. We want e- we want A plus B equals C or one plus two equals three. You're just like, right. We want boom, 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 boom. We want direct. We want results. All that matter. Results, results, results. And I think that like we want and instead of like the the ro- I guess <laughs> to sound all high gluten here, but like the ro- more romantic nature of alcohol in Europe and other parts of the world, like it is about like what alcohol, how alcohol flavors life or enriches life. And it's not about like, it's about still the experience of life, not the experience of alcohol. I feel like I'm talking out my butt right now, but I hope I'm no, no, you're, you're not, you're not. I mean, it's the, I think, cause what you're saying is it's the substitution of yeah, things that, yeah. that already exist. So we can't take a, we don't have a 30 hour work week. We have a 50 or 60 hour work week. So to substitute that that time difference, we just get drunk really, really fast, right? Yeah. That's why happy hour is just the time that people just get smashed. Yeah. They can get as fast as way away uh, from work as possible, so that that when they get to work at eight o'clock in the morning, you know they they feel like they went somewhere. Yeah. Because we don't get vacation, we don't go on holiday. Yeah. We can't afford to go on holiday here. Yeah, I think yeah, it does. I guess in closing, like on this part of the the conversation, I think that is this like. I also think that, uh, again, I'm not hope I'm not speaking out of turn here, but like, I think there's also some of this that's going on over here. Some of it's going on in England as well. Cause I think like the English have a very particular drinking culture as well. Mm. From what I've, from what I've gathered. And like, I think that we, I think you really touched on it. We are substituting. We're, we're there may be something we're lacking in this country in a cultural standpoint that like we're substituting with alcohol and we're filling a hole. Whereas like other, you know, not to sound, you know, too anti-American because, you know, God bless America. But like, I I just I think that I think that other cultures from from my from what I've gathered as well is that like they're using alcohol to enrich experience, enrich their expense. 
enrich their individual experiences and their lives, whereas we are filling a hole and we're substituting it because there's so many fucked up things and so many fucked up things about this culture and this country that we're using alcohol. And again, it's kind of a vicious cycle because we have this culture that's reinforcing it. It's like, no, this is how you, this is, this is fun. This is what life is. This is what life is. It's getting drunk. And it's like drinking alcohol all the time. It's just like, uh, it's Mm. not. And I think that I'd like to believe that, you know, outside of this hyper consume uh, consumerism, consumeristic culture that we have in society is like, they, they have a, a, healthier relationship with not just alcohol but several things of their several facets of their society and culture as well so yeah uh, you know it's it's a lot of you know what it is it's let let them eat cake that's exactly what it is it's like yeah not not anything substantive changes in the way that we live our lives but we can use alcohol to make it feel like we're um like we have this wonderful life that we're successful that we're attractive that we're confident uh that we're getting away from life's problems all of these things are just a sedative and not any solution. It's a great point. Sedative there. Um, but let's talk about the, let's talk about uh, like, I see I'm again, I'm not really into groups. I've never been like, I've never really been on a team. I've never really felt like I've been in a large community. I've always just feel like I've always felt like I'm a part of my family and I am myself. Like I'm an individual. I have my friends, but I'm an individual, but I guess uh, it took a while for me to really accept that I'm a part of a community. Like, I don't feel like I'm the most active or like, like a uh, uh, fanatical uh, portion uh, or fanatical uh, segment of the community, but I am part of this community. So let's talk about the sobriety and sober curious movement. It is a movement. And I think it's like, we just talked about like Bud Zero being available at my gas station, like like three minutes away from my apartment. Like that that's progress. That's a sign that the movement in the community is working. Like we're making advances. We're growing. It's, it's, it is, it is having demonstrative results, but like, so what do you think about it? Do you do you think that it is a, a cohesive, like kind of like very, I guess, uh, productive movement overall? Do you think it's just like it just this is I guess I'm trying to say is like, do you think it is there is a direction we're all heading in the same direction or do you think it's like a loose affiliation? And like, what do you what do you see going forward for this movement in this community? That's a very long winded way of saying that. I apologize. No, it's all good. So one thing that I, I picked up on in your description, it was like this idea of productivity and activity within the community. Yeah. And to me, those are both rooted in that consumerism that we were just talking about. Yeah, that's true. Like you, you have to be active an active member in this movement to be a part of it, or you must produce something or this movement even must produce an expected outcome. It's a great, none of that is true. And all of that's rooted in this, this mentality that, that we drink to escape. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that by virtue of you saying you're part of the movement, you're, you are part of the movement, whether you are sober curious, sober sometimes, or sober serious, anywhere on that sobriety spectrum, you are part of this deal. Yeah. Even if you're an ally, like, hey, I still drink, you know, blah, 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 X amount of alcohol a, a week or a month, but I get people's need to have spaces or, you know, options when they go to, to a restaurant. If you're just an ally, you're part of the movement and you're not required to produce anything, to provide anything, to march in the streets. All that is required of you is to self-proclaim, say, I am part of this deal and I get why it needs to exist. Yeah. Um, and then as far as where the movement's going, I think that that is not a decision one person can make or even 10 people can make. I think this is a 
um, movement with leadership. I will not say that this is a leaderless movement. I think that that's yeah. a, um, we, we see what happens when, when there's no leadership. Um, yeah. So there, there are definite leaders in this space. Yeah. I just don't think that there's just one. I think that there's many people and we're all going in sort of different directions, but we're all going towards the same true North. And I think the true North is that space in that day when we can have more options for everyone, when no one is given uh, the side eye when they they ask for something that's not an alcoholic, when everyone, regardless of their uh, relationship with alcohol, can go on vacation or go to a sporting event and find the drink that works for them. Mm-hmm. That's the general true north. How we get there and, and where we start from and who we bring along with us are all up for debate and discussion. So mm-hmm. that's the way I look at it. As, as one of the people that is a leader in this space, I cannot bring people to the mountaintop. That's not my goal or that's not my desire. It is a true group effort. Yeah. And I think you were absolutely right. I think I was feeding into this, like, again, competition, an extension of capitalism or a a fundamental aspect of capitalism. I was like, well, like, I'm not, I don't feel like I can include myself in this movement or this community because I'm not doing enough to advance the cause or like advance the movement. And I was like, advance it against who like that's not we're not in competition with the people mm-hmm. who drink or like people who consume alcohol it's not a competition it's just about being a community and being there for each other and all that stuff oh uh, yeah i mean i think this doesn't have a big bad i think that can yeah, that can exactly. be really hard for people because they're so used to having a big bad right like yeah. the civil rights movement you know or or these other movements that we've seen Great big point. tobacco right like we've always had this big bad mm-hmm. and this is one movement where we're saying like there is no big bad there's only just good, right? Yeah, there's just growth and helping people. That's all that matters in this. Yeah. Um, I did want to talk. I, I can't remember the exact link. I probably should have shared it to you earlier, but I'm sure you're aware of these things. Like I, w- I was reading an article the other day or I saw a news line or a headline the other day about like Gen Z. I know you have small children and I guess they qualify as Gen Z, correct? I don't know. I don't know what you call. I don't know yeah, what you call. It doesn't matter. But I did see the article and I, if I can find it, I'll, I'll include it in the description. That Gen Z is like, becoming like less and less drinkers like they're like the first generation in a long time that is not over like really falling into the fundamental or the traditional aspect of drinkers so like they're really scaling back and like they offered i remember reading the article a little bit and they offered like some excuses to be like oh well you know they you know they're more into online communication and engagement so they don't necessarily like need to go to a bar or, like need to go out and do these things together so they're not necessarily into that like like after work half the hour, like you mentioned, or, you know, uh, the availability of other alternatives like marijuana, CBD, all these things like are becoming more accessible. So what do you think? What do you, I guess it kind of ties into the future. And again, if you don't feel like there is a, a, a necessarily a direction or anything like that, or necessarily one true future that we're all working towards, but like, what do you think about that? What does that, what does that tell you? What do you, what do you expect to come of that? I think that all that research is true. Like what we're seeing is consistent over the last five to 10 years where people are consuming less alcohol, but they're consuming other substances. Yeah. Um, But I still think that amongst this generation, there is still a great awakening that's going to happen because they are the generation that's going to have to deal with climate change and, you know, all the, a host of other social issues. They're going to have to figure these things out. And I think that they realize that they need to be sober for this. Yeah. I think that they've realized that, Part of what part of what makes, uh, you know, this this world work is people, good people doing nothing. And I think that there's a whole generation of folks who are so young, so passionate and have the aggregate of all human knowledge in the palm of their hand, literally. 
and they are aware in a way that you and I were never aware. We just, yeah. we didn't know the size of the world. We didn't understand our role in the larger society. Mm-hmm. We didn't know that until we became adults. And now at 10 and 13, they have hundreds of thousands of followers on TikTok, right? Like yeah. they understand their own power. And I think that that is going to in turn change the way people look at substances because they're like, nope, I, I don't need to be numbed out. I don't need to be tuned out. I need to be present. I need to be focused. And so I think that's, that's what we're going to see a lot of. And I think that eventually there will be a movement, however brief, to moving away from screens so much. Um, this, this generation grew up with screens. You know, my children knew how to work an iPhone before they could talk. I mean, like yeah. that is, that is the world that they grew up in. I think there's going to be a bit of pushback they're going to start like getting back into like in-person relating to people. That's, that's who we, that's who we are at our core. Our DNA yeah. is human connection. I think that we'll, we'll eventually find this, this happy, you know, medium before we get to like, and we're all just computer screens talking to each other. Yeah. I hope so. Because I, I think that part of the reason, like I, I the reason I go to Sands Bar, um, and we're wrapping up now, and we're gonna get to know, uh, um, is to interact with people, not necessarily, and, and maybe not even like talk to people, but just be around people and like talk to you or talk to you know whoever may come, like our friend Alyssa or any of the friends that I've made through there, and it's just like it's just about like it. You need to be around people. Like you need to, you don't necessarily need to talk. You don't necessarily need to be like malls. Like, I feel like that was a big thing about malls. I don't know if kids these days like understand. It's like, yeah, the mall was about commerce. The mall was about like hanging out with your buds, but it was also just being in a public space with other people and realizing there are other people in the world. And like, there's like, you don't necessarily need to interact with them like directly like communicate but like you you need to be aware of their presence you need to be around people and you know there was a big thing with malls with people watching like and people still do it today like they go public places just people watch for the sake of it because like you just want to see people you just want to see that there's a a actual human being there like you want to be around people like because you just need and i think that was that was something i can tell you i struggled with during the pandemic was like i don't necessarily need to talk to people i really don't like i need to talk to some people but like I miss the ability to just go places and just be amongst people, I guess. And like, and again, it was like, it was just being knowing that like, we're all breathing the same air, maybe polluted air, but you know what I'm saying? Like we're all breathing the same air. We're all living the same experience. We're all around the same time. It's just like, just nice being around people. Like, I feel like that's what I love about movie theaters. I love about going to other, to your spot and other bars and like just public places where you're just like, other people like we just need that sometimes at least i do I, and I, I think what you're saying is the, ge- the, the this next generation will start to embrace that uh more aggressively yeah yeah for sure i mean i think that that's why the word bar is such an important word to continue Circling to back, use in sans it. bar because it is that idea that a lot of people go to the bar you can drink your your beer at home you can get about tequila and drink your tequila at home, right? Mm-hmm. You do it to go to be with people in community. Even if you don't talk to another human being, you just want to feel less alone. And that's what a bar is all about. Amen to that. All right. So now that we're done that, we're going to talk about no. And honestly, 
I'm sorry if you haven't seen it. I know some people haven't seen it yet and are waiting to watch it at home or whatever. So we will talk a bit about our non-spoiler reaction to Nope, and then we will go full spoilers because there's a lot to talk about. It's kind of hard to talk about this film really without going into spoilers, but we're going to do a little bit and then I'll, I'll let you know when we're switching. And then if you want to skip past that and go to the questions or whatever, do what you want. Again, time codes in the description. Okay, so we're going to talk about Nope. Uh, non-spoilers at front. Okay, so Chris, you and I both saw this in IMAX, which was awesome. Uh, I I don't think, it, like someone asked me, I was like, well, I saw it in IMAX and they were like, should I see it in IMAX? I was like, I think you should because I feel like a lot of this spectacle is a big part of this. Like, I think that like, I don't, I, I feel like it enhances it. I feel like, what do you think? Do you think you, do you, think you sh- needed to see it in IMAX? Well, I know it was shot in IMAX right? yeah it was like, that's it was, the other thing it was shot yeah. in IMAX so I mean it was like that that was the intention so seeing it otherwise uh just diminishes what was already there right like you you really want to have the full experience because yeah. like any great work of art you want to uh enjoy it consume it um experience it just as the artist intended it to be consumed right or enjoyed and i think that that is part of it right um it's like you know could you could you see a picasso on your phone sure is it seeing picasso in real life it it can't compel in comparison right like you just you just you're missing so much of what um peel was trying to say by seeing it in another another way so that's just yes for sure i so imax is all the way I so real talk, uh, we won't go into what we talked about, but like I felt like seeing it with you, I'm glad I saw it with you because I didn't I I enjoyed it. First off, I loved it. I thought it was such a thrill ride. Like it was really tense. Like there was one jump scare that really got me. I don't know if you noticed, but I was like, oh, shit. And uh, I thought it was a great horror movie. And I thought it was really tense and really well made. Uh, Great direction. He's definitely somehow he's gotten better. Get Out, his first effort, and Us were really well-directed, and I think really great filmmaking going on. And this one is, I think, is even better, even stronger in that aspect. And so I'm glad I saw it with you. But we we literally – we saw it at the mall here in Austin. I feel like 10 minutes afterwards, you had to explain to me what that movie was about. I'm like, oh, my God, that's brilliant. But even that aside, which we'll get to, I thought it was just so much fun. I loved Daniel Kaluuya in it. I thought that it was like it was so engaging and engrossing. And I was just like, oh yeah, I'm 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 getting my money's worth here. What did you think in a non-spoiler sense? I know you have yeah, a lot I mean, I, I just I have to say this before I say anything else. If you uh have not seen nope, you you need to go see it. Even if you're scared or apprehensive, and I'll be honest with you, I'm not a horror, I I don't do that. You know, you know, we've talked about this, like yeah, yeah, things yeah. that are just too familiar and if it's too like psychological like you know someone has mental health issues like I always try to like I'm very mindful of like the the things I let into my head right definitely um and so that's something I had a real reservation about like going into this movie because it seemed kind of like one of those movies that was gonna be a little too much and it turned out to be not at all what I thought it was um exactly what I needed as far as like just enough to like understand the genre and understand like yeah this but without it being like wearing on me in that way i was left with so much more inspiration than i was like fear or worry or anxiety like it it felt like this was a huge think piece and i and i've just consumed voraciously every piece of you know commentary and 
<laughs> video essays. Like I, yeah, I've just gone mad with this because it just, it did something to me, man. I just, yeah. I, that's very evident yeah. in our conversations since like we've talked about, like I said, like it, we saw what a couple weeks ago, maybe a week ago. No, no, no. I was in, that was before I went to LA. So, so like yeah, two, we saw it two weeks yeah, ago, two weeks ago. And we've talked about it like not every day, but almost like two or three times in the past two weeks. It's we've talked yeah. about it and um, we're still like, yeah, you'll send me stuff or like, I'll have other friends send me stuff and I'll send it to you. And like, I'm like, Oh shit, do you know this? And like, and then, so, but let me ask you, let's, before we, we don't want to belabor this any longer. Let's get, we're going to get to the good stuff. I promise. Uh, so he's made three films. We're yeah. not going to count Twilight Zone. That's a TV show. He's made yeah. three films. Get Out, which like won him an Academy Award for best uh, screenplay. He made Us and now he's made No. Where does, wh- where are you ranking those three? Like where, like what's, what's gold, silver, and bronze? I'm going to put you on the spot. Yeah, I mean, and this is just personally me. I think that um, Nope is better than Get Out. Oh, shit. You heard it here first. You heard it here first, folks. And let let me explain why. I think that... No spoilers. We're not there yet. No, no, no spoilers. But I think that as a story, uh, Get Out was much more explicit Mm -hmm. in its message, right? Yeah. Um, And us... I just didn't like, I just wasn't, I watched it because I was like, I'm going to support what this man does because yeah. I, I I get him and I, I I love this humor and I think that this is a great, you know, thing for him to do. But I wasn't really, I was like, I got the message there too. And I'm just like, okay, cool. But Nope um, isn't a class all by itself. Like mm. to me, it is in a whole different atmosphere. Like it yeah. is just, I still... I still question like what I saw, like, like just, it's, you've seen it twice already. Right? I, yes, yes, yes. And I, I just, it's, and I'll probably see it again. Like I just um, have not had an experience that has caused me to think so much. Mm. Um, and, and just the way that the movie is just so meta in and of itself, again, not spoiling anything. Yeah. I just think that, that again, if you have not seen this movie, go see this movie, just, just go see it. Um, yeah. I'll come say back that, and talk to us about yeah it. i'll say that yeah and then once we once you see it come back for the spoilery bits that we're about to get into so uh i i, I think that get out is still god it's tough it's really because like again not to i know i i set up this premise but like it's really hard to compare because they're all very different films and like i would say that us is at the bottom i didn't hate us i just was like there were a lot of things that i felt like it was it was a hard follow-up to a great movie and I feel like there were there were legit. OK, so with with us, I, my brain couldn't shut off a lot of us because like a lot of it logistically didn't make sense to me. And we won't I won't spoil it. But like if you ever watch us, if you've seen us or you plan to watch us, you'll know what I'm talking about. Like it just a lot of it didn't make sense to me. Like obviously a lot of the the themes and the allegory was like, OK, yeah, I get it. Well, like a lot of the logistics of the premise. I couldn't really like, wait, what? But OK, sure. Why not? Yeah. Uh, a lot of hand wavy stuff, but like mm-hmm, get out, mm-hmm. get out. I think, I think, Oh God, I, this is going to be a cop out. non I think get out and Nope are tied, but I do think Nope will age better than get out, which is hard to believe because get out is still referenced. What? Six years since it came out. Oh, there's whole, there's whole like college courses yeah. on get out. For yeah. Sure. And so yeah. like, I think that Nope, I think that, 
while Get Out is excellent, I think Nope might be his masterpiece. And I really think that that will age into, and we'll explain more about, I'll explain more about that in spoiler, but like, I think it'll age better and it'll like reach, it's, I think he's reached new heights with this, which is not to slag off Get Out because Get Out is a brilliant film and I loved Get Out. And that had, that had terror, that had laughs, that had like really powerful stuff. And it's just like, God, that movie was incredible. But like this, I was just like, especially talking to you about it and like getting a lot of like also reading some stuff and sharing some stuff. It's just like, wow, this movie is fucking deep as fuck. God yeah. damn. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, I guess I'll say it's tied, but like, I guess I'll give get out by an inch. But talk to me in like five years, 10 years, depending on what else, what other films he makes. But like, I really think <laughs> Nope is going to is going to supersede, like give it some time. I think Nope will age better than get out, which is not. Again, not to slag off Get Out or Us because those are both really good films. Yeah, I honestly, I think it's too early to, to tell. Um, yeah. I still think that Nope will always be critically acclaimed. Yeah. But I just think that the public itself, again, without spoiling anything, just just didn't get it. And and I hate to be that. I hate to be that guy because it's like, I hate when people are like, oh, this art, you don't get it. You know, yeah. smog um, like hipster, it, like, shit, yeah. like you don't get it. Like, but I really think that there was a very explicit message, mm-hmm. and I think what what film goers, movie goers are not accustomed to is they're the gag. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, like you're the gag. Um, they're used to seeing the gag, right? Yeah. But it's like, no, when when it's you it's hard and and the fe- and that feeling that you have is the point but yeah. it just you just you just can't quite you see that point you just walk right past it right okay just, let's let's quit dancing around it let's get into it. okay so oh gosh that was exhausting oh. your spoiler alert okay three two one we are officially in spoiler territory if you do not like it turn it off right now this is your last chance okay oh, we're gonna about to goodness. talk about nope in spoilery terms okay yes. so i I'll just say this. The one I want to get out of the way is the, the 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 jump scare that really got me was the praying mantis on the camera. That was the one that I was like, oh, shit. I was just like, oh, OK, all right. Damn it. You got me. You got me. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I don't like jump scares. I don't like yeah. jump scares. But that was a good one. That one was like, you know, there was a lot of that kind of creep. Ooh, like, oh, it, you know, uh, when, when the when the aliens show up in the barn and they're really yeah. the kids. But like I was like, oh, oh, shit, what's about to happen? And then, it, you know, OK, so. I won't say too much because I feel like you have an abundance of things to say. So what, like, if if my if the audience listening right now uh, were were me and we were in that parking lot, what would you explain a, a note to be? Like, if you were like, Chris, I didn't understand it. Help me explain what note. What do you feel note is about? What would you tell them? So what I would say is. Um... Nope is about spectacle. Yeah. And it's about our obsession with spectacle. Um, that's what the entire movie, in my view, is about. Mm-hmm. Um, it is why the movie opens with this like in-universe lore of this chimpanzee attack, right? Yeah. Which was a real thing, which really did happen to this woman when she was attacked by a real champion. And did this Oprah interview. I went to go watch the Oprah interview oh, with I didn't this lady. Know that. So the, so the, so the actress whose veils, you know, the, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, if you go, I can't think of her name off the top of my head, 
I'll uh, I'll Google it and I'll uh, I'll put I'll see if what, what I can find and if you want to send me the links or anything. I'll, oh, I'll it's it yeah. All you have to do is now nowadays just Google Oprah and yeah. it comes right up. Oh wow! So I think and this this again is is Peel's genius because that interview is horrible. Yeah. She this woman has been horribly horribly disfigured by this chimpanzee. Yeah. In real life, and Oprah makes these like awful comments like oh my gosh you're so hard to look at and oprah man like you're so hard to look at and like have you tried to look at yourself in the mirror like it just i mean it's uncomfortable oh no to watch and oprah is like let me see let me see right oprah in that interview was so obsessed with seeing what this woman looked like behind the veil yeah and it's just like that's the point Peel was trying to make, and that's why he kept saying Oprah shot. I mean, he could have used any. Oh any. yeah, that's right. Fuck dog. There's so many layers. God damn. Right, right. So he wants you to to connect Oprah shot with this experience that really oh had happened, God, dude. By the real. way, that woman, and I just her name was escaping me, got a face transplant uh, like five years ago, and oh, looks completely. I, I remember hearing about something. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. But that interview with Oprah is just awful like it is it is it's it's inhumane it's cruel and it's and it's making this woman a spectacle yeah it is doing the thing that peel says we are obsessed with and so you know a lot of the criticism around the the round around the 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 movie nope is that it doesn't show enough it doesn't show you the horror doesn't show you the actual chimp attack it doesn't show you um it shows you what it looks like inside the the beast right yeah it doesn't really show you anything right and at first i was like oh i love that that idea of like not seeing the thing right but like that's the whole point of it right i and the second time i watched it i found myself literally craning my neck around yeah. i knew i knew couldn't see around the couch but i'm i'm craning my neck to see yeah because it really I, it really is restrained and i think that like a lot of like horror the best kind of horror like jaws for instance is about restraint and when i watched it I was getting a lot of Jaws and Tremors vibe. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, and it's like, it does show you things. Like at the end, you do see the alien, but it's not until the very end. And it's not really, it's really restrained. I think it's like, he gives you, he gives you like, you want the full hundred and he's not yeah. giving us the full hundred. And that's the point. So please continue. That's the, that's no, the, and I, I think that's what, that's what makes people so mad. It's like this, yeah. this emotional edging that keeps happening, right? Like where <laughs> you almost get it, you're all ah, 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 that you don't. And the people that are so mad about it, right? Yeah. They're and they're furious. They're like, "What? It, I don't get it. I don't get why he's getting all this praise for it. I don't. I don't see the relevancy here. I don't see the, you know, they don't get that they're the gag. Yeah, that the thing that you wanted to see was um, the alien wreak yeah. havoc. What you want to see is um, this this actress's face disfigured. Yeah. What you want to see is the actual, you know." chimpanzee gordy you know experience that's what you want to you want to see that but i'm not going to give it to you and because you're so used to having spectacle because you're so obsessed with the spectacle um you're not gonna you're not gonna appreciate it for what it is and that's where why like the really like you don't get it thing is like you really actually don't get that this is about you not getting the thing that you want um which is also what this movie is about to me it's like this idea of of not getting what you want and the exploitation that we put others through to get what we want. Right. Mm-hmm. So all the folks in Hollywood exploit gaffers and 
videographers and craft services and all these other people to get their perfect shot. Mm -hmm. Um, They exploit animals to get, you know, their, their, their movie or their thing done. Like that's that to me, like, that's what it was. And then um, the way that, you know, you sacrifice yourself for, for your art, you know, but at the same time in a very like um, Moby Dick kind of way, right. The, the, the photographer, right. Was watching all these images of, people or animals being consumed by their, you know, uh, yeah. by, by predators. And he, he lacked that perfect shot. He wanted that shot and, and it, he was willing to, to use all of those folks involved. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, OJ sister um, and the A- uh, angel, right? Angel. Right. Yeah. I can't, I don't know what I can't think of his name. Um, which ironically, I love angel and the description of angels in the Bible. Yeah. If you ever look at the true, like, biblical description of angels, they're not like these floaty babies with wings. Yeah. They are like the thing, right? Like, yeah. it, I think it was, like, it's so, oh, I could just go on and on yeah, about it. But I, yeah, I'll, man, it's just. I'll, I'll chime in right now. Like, two things, especially speaking about the angels, like the monster, the alien is like, he tied it into Neon Genesis Evangelion. And I was like, oh, yeah, duh. And, I, and like there's a shot where Kiki Palmer's riding her motorcycle, the electric motorcycle, and she slides. That's a reference to Akira. And I yeah. was just like, dude, Jordan, Jordan yeah. Gale, get me, man. I feel like I know you did that for yourself and you do that for like every anime nerd out there. But I was like, I feel like you did that right for me, man. I don't think you, Jordan Peele. I was like, yeah, that's what's up. But like, yeah. And I, what, I think what, what when you helped me understand was like, Daniel Kalu, I think my favorite part of it, I, I totally agree with everything you said. My favorite part was when you pointed out uh, OJ, Daniel Kaluuya's arc. He's, I, I, it was lying there right in front of me and I did not connect the dots. Like when you first see him after his dad passes away, unfortunately, like he's on the set, he's very, con- not, not confused, but he's kind of flustered. He's not in control of the situation. And he's like, he wants his sister to help and she's not helping. She's distracted. And he's like, I'm floundering here. I need you. And then he loses control of the situation. But by the end of the movie, he's in control of the situation. He's figured it out. He has self-actualized. He's grown into the main, like maybe not, let's not gender it, but like he is, he's become the person that he needs to be and supposed to be. And it's like, he's the one who figures it out. And like, this is what we need to do. This is my plan. This is how we're going to do it. And right. he, they win, they win in the end. And I really love that when you pointed it out to me. And also the last thing, and I feel like you can expand upon this, was like the movie's also about getting what you want and it either not being fulfilling or destroying you. Like the the, the cinematographer uh, who was go- who dies trying to get the impossible shot, and he's just like, once you get what you want, it's a night, it's a dream you never wake up from, mm-hmm. which is an which is an illusion of death. And like you. And then uh, uh, Stephen Yoon's character, the cowboy, the, the the kid actor that grows up to be the the ranch owner, like the amusement park owner, like he's he finally gets the alien to come out and like to show the crowd, and he's like finally he's been luring it out with the horses this entire time, and he's like he finally gets it, and it kills everybody. Like that's that's what I when you pointed that out to me, I was like that's brilliant. That is truly brilliant message that like chasing what you want chasing that spectacle chasing the dream of what you desire it usually it will either it it could be it usually is unfulfilling or it ultimately destroys you so that that was the thing those two things you pointed out to me in that parking lot i was like 
yeah oh yeah God, i mean that's brilliant and then on second watch there was just so many other things that i just missed that yeah. that the second watch helped me to realize like um i had assumed that um that that was the first star but that was not the first star lasso experience that steven yeah. yun's character had and jupe had had several of these yeah he had it he had been rehearsing that line which is when he had that flashback to the whole you know uh the, the yeah, exciting yeah, incident yeah, yeah. right yeah, yeah so like that was something i i thought he was like i was like why did why did he consume why did the the alien consume the audience well because this was the first time and that's what happens when you put alien uh, animals in a unfamiliar situation right like yeah. they have this routine they have this thing that they're used to and then you put a whole crowd of people in front of them and it, it just snaps like the chimp snaps. Mm-hmm. like the chimp did and are you connecting the dots between this alien which is an animal it's like technically speaking a wild animal and the chimp which was also a wild animal like they eventually just snapped and they just started killing people because they had enough and they got overwhelmed and they did just they just went animal and when they pointed out the uh 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 Siegfried and Roy about the tiger attacking one of I think it was Roy and it's just like that's there you can never forget at the end of the day like we can train them we can domesticate them but they are wild so animals wild. and they go will watch that out. Oprah interview go yeah. watch that Oprah interview because it is it I just add, adds a real life layer to what um people say. and I, I think you know he was you know I've, I've read every article watch every interview that he's given about this movie and he's talking about how like a lot of this is a commentary on the industry itself yeah. and how it consumes people and spits them out right like yeah. or how um you know there's this uncertainty about what is the future of uh film and and how you know the old ways of cinema are dying out right like just like using using uh real horses versus cgi like things are changing so there's there's so many messages there there's so much there and i think that that is one thing that is my only criticism that it might have been too much it might have been so much that people just keep grasping at parts of it and they don't see how it's all how it's all meant to fit together and that that could just be um the fault of just having too much time right like too much time in the pandemic he put a lot into this movie and i think for you and I, I think that we find it good material to really have interesting discussions about all these stuff. But yeah, he did put a lot. But I think that's why I feel it's going to age better because I think like the more people really give a critical eye and like really do really deep dives on it, like they're going to find connections that maybe Jordan Peele didn't necessarily consciously put in. Maybe he put it in subconsciously or people are making connections. Like yeah. One other thing that I really love that you pointed out to me was how it kind of tied back similarly to get out, like the race aspect of like, here you have the first, a big part of their family legacy, uh, OJ's family, the horse, uh, the horse ranch uh, wranglers, I guess that's the word. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. The handlers. That's thank you. Uh, The, the first, the one of Kiki Palmer's uh, big spiel was like, my our great grandfather, great 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 grandfather, whatever, was the first was the guy who was the black man that rode the horse in the first like recorded footage, and nobody knows who that is. And like, like another aspect of American culture, the film industry, that you know, black people had a huge hand in, and they got completely erased from mm-hmm. the from the yeah from it yeah yeah. It, now, I thought that was brilliant. Erasure. Yeah. All right. So questions. Okay, let's do questions. Yeah. Okay. So wrapping up. Let's uh let's let's wrap up, guys. 
Uh, so yeah, it was great. You need to see it. I feel like me and Chris are going to keep talking about this movie for years to come. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, we're going to do the questions now. Uh, thank you so much for doing this first off and let's move on to the questions. I really appreciate it. I should have had you on, like I said, a while ago, just, you know, it's no, it happens when it's supposed to my friend. Okay. All things do. So for anyone, I haven't done this in a while. Cause I only do this usually where with new people and we haven't had any new people on in a while. So at the end, this all started like at the end of every episode, I'd bring a guest on each volume. I would have a different set of 10 questions. It was kind of inspired. I mean, anybody who's watched inside the actor studio, mm. uh, they used to ask uh, James Lipton would ask his guest uh, Bernard Pavot's, uh list of questions. And so I, I used that the first year and then I've made my own list subsequently. So these are the questions. OK, uh, I should have sent it to you, but I, again, I forgot. No, it's uh, even better. Even better. Uh, OK, cool. So question one. When did you get your first cell phone and what kind was it? First cell phone was, uh, I don't even know. It was an, probably Cricket. Like, really? yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like Cricket phone, uh, little flip phone. Yeah. And that would have been 2001. Oh, yeah. I was, I was 12 when I got my first one. I got a little uh siemens uh i hate the name of that company so much siemens uh i think that's why they went out of business uh little little phone uh, yeah i was 12 um i was very young i thought 12 was too young and now kids are getting them at like nine or eight yeah, I was, fucking I was wild. okay almost a senior in high school okay so what is the one reality tv or game show you would do the best on mm. oh the apprentice really yeah I mean, with not necessarily the the more popular host of that show, but yes, let's not. I, you know what? I you know, what? I bet I'd be okay. I, <laughs> like, look, look, I just you don't gotta know how to work people, right? Like, and yeah. I think that that's you know, when someone's a narcissist, you just gotta you gotta play feed it into up. it. Feed it. Yeah, into yeah, it. oh yeah. I mean, you'd be you'd be golden. Yeah. So mine for years was like, I think I'd be really great on Family Feud, but mm. I figured out an even better one. You know the game Password? You know, Jimmy Fallon does it where you like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You do you, you offer one word clue for your partner to guess. I think... I'm not joking. I think I would fucking dominate in that. Because, like, I think I, I wouldn't be as good as, like, guessing, like, if the partner was giving me clues. But I think I could kill it with giving clues. Seriously. Mm. That's just my opinion. I could be completely wrong. Confidence is not something that come nat- comes natural to me, but I feel confidently. You feel that's pretty confident, man. Yeah. Okay. Next question. What is your favorite book? Mm. That's a hard question, man. That's a really hard question. Just say the King James Bible and let's move on. No, I'm, kidding. I'm joking. No. No shade um, if that is your favorite book, guy. No, no, no. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't mind if it was. But yeah, that's just not. Um, I, I honestly just, the only thing that's coming to my mind right now is, is um, ah, Fire Shut Up in My Bones by... Um, Oh, what's that dude's name? I feel horrible now. Well, I can tell you mine. My Go favorite ahead. book, uh, for a long time, it was 1984 by Orwell. But honestly, my favorite book of all time is The Gats- is Great Gatsby. Okay, there you go. I just, I, it's Charles Blow. Fire Shut Up in My Bones by Charles Blow. Um, it's autobiography. talks a lot about his, you know, growing up in the South and mm-hmm. um, as a Black man. It's a lot, a lot of things that are related to it, for sure. Okay. So what is your next question? What is your favorite pair of shoes you own or you've ever owned? Ooh, easy question. Um, okay. where, where, where are those boys? Um, they're the, um, 
LT Greg. Okay. Um, love those shoes, man. I love those little LT Greg shoes, man. They're 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 fantastic. Um, I also have a pair of the Casey Cowboy boots mm. that my mom gave me for ten years of sobriety, yeah. and those those mean a lot to me. Yeah, I uh, I I never want to own cowboy boots ever. I will I, if I live the rest of my life in the state. I will never own a Stetson hat or a pair of cowboy boots. I'm just uh, no, it's not me. We'll see. Uh, uh, well, no, we will not see. I will never <laughs> wear cowboy boots. I don't know, man. My, hey, if I said John, I said John, <laughs> look, my life depends on it. Oh, of course I would wear them. Okay, like, well then, then there you go. But like I would never wear them. I would never own a pair to wear on occasion. Like no, I'm never doing. That I mean, yeah, it's. I hear you. I hear yeah. You. It's just, I never want to be a Texan. I will always be someone that lives in Texas. I will never be a Texan. Uh, Look, there's people in New Orleans that, that wear. They do. They do. And I thought they were silly when I lived there too. Uh, anyway, uh, my favorite pair is my Air Force Ones. Uh, ooh, we're wrapping up. Luckily, we're wrapping up. My Air Force Ones are my favorite pair of shoes that I've ever, the most comfortable pair of shoes. I actually, I think since the last time I asked these questions, I actually got my custom pair in last year. And they're the best. I fucking love them. Or was that earlier yes. this year? I think it was. I think it was like last year. So I think it's almost been a year now. I love them. Air Force Ones, best best shoes I've ever worn. Um, actually, just got a pair of Vans as well, and I really love my Vans. I used to be a hardcore Chuck Taylors, Converse All Stars guy, but like, like in college, I switched to Vans, and I think Vans are better than Converse. Nah, yeah, Chucks, Chucks, too up too too old for Chucks. They hurt yeah. my feet. Okay, next question. What is your favorite smell or scent? Mm. So ironically, yeah. um, when I have candles, I only in bath wash, um, they're all the same thing. It's the combination of leather and bourbon. Really? Yeah. That's and it's so like specific. Yeah. And I don't even like like either the of those things separate. I mean, but but candle bourbon is a different bourbon bourbon. Yeah, yeah. It's like, like these vanilla caramel. Like banana kind of... flavoring is not doesn't taste like bananas. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Flavoring right. doesn't taste like grape. Yeah, but like That's so weird. The smell of candles that are whiskey and leather, and there's a I have a soap liquid soap that's a bourbon scented, mm-hmm. and I love it. I mean, I just absolutely love it. it do just, you, do something... you have a, like a sense memory with that? Does it take you somewhere? Or, or you no, just I just love that smell. It's it's something about the smell of like bourbon and yeah I I, I never drink bourbon yeah. when I was drinking <laughs> like yeah it has nothing it has nothing to do with that's so um, oddly specific I love it it's but it's the one scent that I will go to every single time because it's you really can't mess it up that much I mean it's it's really hard to mess up leather and that kind of bourbon or leather and cedar or something in that, that, that flavor wheel mm-hmm. um, that really works for me. What about you? Yeah. My favorite with that, it's also easy is the smell of bacon. Like when I fry mm. bacon in my apartment, I, I live in a kind of a small apartment and you know, that, 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 that smell of bacon like hangs around for a while. Oh, yeah. I love it. I love yeah, the smell of nice. bacon. Bacon is my favorite food without a doubt. And my favorite smell is like just the smell, the smell of bacon has woken has woken me out of a dead sleep more than a few times in my life that's the best way you know what honestly the smell of bacon when you're when you're asleep Mm. is the best thing to wake up to like that smell means that you're in a good place usually definitely yeah you know you don't usually wake up in a bad place all right i'm very curious to hear your answer on this you can only watch tv shows or movies for the rest of your life what would you pick tv shows really yeah after we just got done talking about this epic movie no 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 because 
the uh i love us the slow burn of character development over yeah. time right like i think even if a movie's five hours long you cannot establish like all these wonderful i just re-watching i'm re-watching breaking bad yeah and just watching like a character's slow arc is like mm. such a a thing that i really enjoy I'm, I'm patient in that way about you know development i mentioned earlier i'm incredibly impatient and i really think that that's why i prefer movies like my brain i think my brain works better in like a two hour two and a half hour window of like that's that's why i prefer to consume stories like obviously if i'm reading something or a novel or like a graphic novel or anything like that long form like yeah i want to spend some time with it but like when it comes to like televised uh motion picture entertainment like that is, i prefer movies because like for one i need to be able to watch the star wars movies like that's i can't get rid of i can't get rid of movies because like i got to be able to watch those movies oh, I love true, them so much true, true. but like i love concise storytelling like i get it i get where you're coming from that is definitely a strength of television is like a televised uh uh narratives like you get all the all, a lot of time to really develop really yeah. get into a character but I fear I, what I get out of that, what I lament about a lot of televised is there was a lot of filler. There's a lot of shit like we could have skipped this. You could have. I know you got a pad out. You have an episode count that you have to meet. Right. And and films do this, too. Like there's like a two hour film that should have been probably like an hour and a half. And you probably yeah. could cut some out. So I get it. But I prefer concise storytelling. I love a beginning, a middle and an end in a very concise, efficient manner. So that's why I prefer movies. Like, mm, like interesting. Like, yeah, because I'm not, I'm not, again, the end of something yeah. is not as interesting to me as, I mean, I know we'll get there, but how we get there does not interest me as much as the 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 journey that yeah. it takes to get there. Okay, so we're going to run through these last ones because we have five minutes left. Let's go. Okay, so you get to use a time machine. Where and where do you go? The catch is you must stay there no more or less than three days. Oh, uh, beautiful. Uh, I would say, um, 1996. So three days in 1996. Gosh, that was the best year. Really? God, that was, I've been on a binge of like, yeah, 1996 related stuff. And That's awesome. I've just concluded of the nineties, 96 was the best year of my life. I was 13 years old. It was the Olympics in Atlanta. It was the oh, best yeah, year. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that hold on to that. Uh, but I would say I would go to the future. I have no desire to visit the past. I would only go to the future. Like I'd go like 50 years or 100 years from now to see what's mm. going on if we yeah. still exist. But like that's what I would do. So, uh -huh. all right. So, speaking of Olympics, would you rather be an Olympic gold medalist or a Nobel Prize winner? And for what? Nobel Prize winner. What would you want to be? In? Uh, peace. Yeah. yeah. Peace. He's humanitarian something. Yeah. Yeah. So that's very commendable and that fits, but like, I would want to be, obviously, since I'm such a big sports guy, I would want to be an Olympic gold medalist. I would be, I would want to be on the men's team, the first men's soccer team, U S men's soccer team to win a gold medal because like, that's historic. Like that'd be, yeah. Yeah. The first I'm telling you right now, the first men's team that wins a gold medal or a world cup, they're going to be famous for like years. Cause like, mm -hmm. that's, that's a big deal. That's a huge deal, yeah. Okay, so we have three minutes left. I'll let you go. Uh, you know, this was originally written during the pandemic, um, but like five years from now, like all the stuff that happened in 2020, 2021, and still going on to this day, but like really in 2020 and 2021, 
five years from then, 10 years from now, what do you hope we all learn from what happened during the pandemic? Oh, that we need each other more than we thought we did. I love it. That's exactly where I put it when I used to answer this question was like, I think that how interconnected and like how like causal, how dependent all these communities, industries, individuals are on each other. Like if one segment of the economy goes down, how it trickles into all these other industries and like all these other people's lives. Like I find that fascinating. Like that's, that's what I hope we learn from it. I really want to believe we have, but we'll see. So, okay. uh, That's it. We got two minutes left. Chris, you're my brother. I love you. Thank you so much for doing this. This was so much fun. I'm glad we got to do this. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate yeah, it. And I'll and, share uh, this on the, uh, what is that? The 10th? August 10th, folks. This will be coming out on August 10th. We're recording it on the 7th. Uh, I'll share it. Hopefully people listen. And if you do, you know, if you like it, plenty of black back catalog. We got 97 other episodes. Yeah, Some give it a shot. Right? Yeah. I'm going to plug. I got a minute left. Let me just, can I plug a couple yeah, sure. things? Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. All right. Got, got, got to pay some bills around here. So yeah. uh, if you're interested in what I've, what I've been talking about with Sands Bar and thought that, you know, you were inspired or felt like you could do this where you're at. I have Sands Bar Academy. It's a 10 week course that starts in the fall. It helps people get started. You can go to my, my website at sandsbar.com and find it. Um, also, I have um, the tour coming up next year. Follow me on social media for that. And um Yeah, I'm open every Friday here in Austin. Um, Yeah, that's about it. Thank you guys for listening. Please like, subscribe, share with all your friends. I don't even care about this episode. I just want people to go get more involved with Sands Bar and the tour and his academy of his. Also give John a follow. Give John a follow too. Please don't follow me. No, I'm I'm bored. If you really like, if you like music, you'll probably- He's on the market. He's on the market, ladies. He's on the market. Good guy. Yeah. Give him a try. Seriously, DM me and I'll be like play matchmaker for sure. And I'm, you know, I'm not too bad looking myself either. Anyway, so that's gonna do it for us tonight, guys. Chris, I will see you Friday. No, you're gonna be out of town this Friday. I'll be out in New York. Well, I will catch you when I catch you and give my best to the wife and kids. And I guess I'll just talk to you later. Peace. All right, bye, man. Bye.